When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Mind Escape. Uh, we have an excellent episode for you today. We are joined by our uh, buddy Ethan Indigo Smith. Uh, we have had him on before a while back. Um, you can go check out that episode. I think we talked about like sacred geometry and uh, Tai Chi and all sorts of interesting stuff on that one. So go check that out if uh, you haven't already. Uh, and you can check out his books, uh, The Tao of Thoth and uh, The Matrix of Four. And I'll put a link down below so you guys can head over there and check that out. Uh, before we get started tonight, if you're interested, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Uh, there's tons of stuff up there. If you listen to our show and you like what we do uh, and you like all of our guests, there's a chance that we probably did a Patreon segment with our, the guest on there. Um, I just uploaded stuff with uh, Rick Strassman, uh, Laird Scranton, uh, Laura from Megalith Hunter, uh, you name it. It's, uh, it's pretty much up there. So, uh, we've got tons of stuff. Um, from there, you should head on over to indrasweb.org. This is a social media platform that we created to connect open minds. Uh, sign up for a profile today and start hypothesizing, theorizing, you know, whatever you want to talk about in, in, in regards to what we talk about on the show. It's a perfect place to do it. And uh, at the end of the month, we will be giving away this Mind Escape t-shirt. And to enter to win, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, and then email that to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll pick, again, we'll pick a winner at the end of the month. We have a few submissions, so there's a good chance you, you might win. Uh, and uh, we also have a merch store kicking on TeePublic. So if you're interested, I've created some pretty cool designs uh, some of some ancient Egyptian themes, some ancient Greece themes. We have a hashtag Let Maurice Speak t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> we have a couple. We have a couple of logo shirts, uh, and I, you know, just some cool stuff up there. So go check that out. I have a link down below, or you can go to mindescapepodcast.com and hit the merch link. So, uh, but what's going on, Ethan? Welcome back on the show. Oh, I'm so blessed to be here. Thanks, Mike Maurice. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, my man. I, yeah, I remember your episode last time. That that was amazing. Yeah. You yeah. Well, I hope I hope we can hope we can catalyze some ideas here today as well. Um, oh, we're gonna get weird, uh, my friend. <laughs> I know Maurice was really digging the Tai Chi. I yeah. know. I was gonna ask. Did you did you uh, get a chance to practice or learn any? I'm I I, I got to do something, and I'm getting more into meditation and stuff. And when well, I was talking to somebody today about uh. 
the, the comments you were making about how you can't really do anything in your life a hundred percent and the bending of your body and stuff is full in full relation to that. And that's something I've actually pulled from that episode. So again, if I didn't, Wonderful. if I didn't, uh, fully grasps every concept at least i was able to take a little snidbit from that michael knows it takes me a little while to grab things i got to read the book a couple of times i got to read the uh, listen to the episodes a couple of times i'm a little bit uh slower than 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 he is no no i doubt it uh i i i find it whenever i'm sharing tai chi i repeat myself like 20 times and no one realizes it Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, and, isn't then sl- if you're slower though, I think Tai Chi'd be perfect for you, Maurice, because it's yeah, like kind no, of slow it, movement. It, yeah, it's so it's so counterintuitive that by moving slowly, it's almost like we by by getting in line with gravity at a, at a really such a slow rate, we end up being able to move faster than other things are moving, falling in gravity. Um, so it's it's interesting, uh, uh, Tai Chi, and it's um, all all about the seventy percent rule. So if you can take that with you and put that in your back pocket, like you said, you're 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 accomplishing Tai Chi in that yeah. mode. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, obviously I'm into meditation. I don't know if Tai Chi would be right for me. I'm willing to try anything though. So maybe I'll give it a shot at some point. You know, it's getting kind of cool here, but maybe next summer or spring or something, I'll have some time to give it a whirl. Um, in terms of, uh, what we were talking about last time you were on, you know, we were talking about like a lot of like esoteric stuff and just, um, Buddhist ideas and Hindu ideas and all sorts of, you know, the spectrum of metaphysics and ancient metaphysics and modern metaphysics. And, uh, is there something you've been interested in lately that, uh, you find interesting? Well, you know. I think I've been cursed with an interest in the uh, the four idea, to be honest. And that actually, the matrix of four really propelled me and enabled me to relate a lot of what was encapsulated on its own um, um, distinct ideas. Uh, um, but the matrix of four, I find, can associate a lot of the ideas um, together in a way that um, is not only revealing of the individual sets, uh, but also of of them together, even uh, uh, different different relationships that might come out. Um, you know, one one major set of four is what is called the four pards or four modes of paradise or two paradise. And this is a way to interpret allegory. And uh, uh, it's from Kabbalistic texts, um, but it's, uh, I think, one of those, one of these sets of four that is not only usable or applicable to what what it's said to uh, be originally designed for, but also can be used in, in a lot of different ways. Um, so there's four ways to interpret uh, religious allegory uh, is what it was original set, set originally set forth for, um, but really any concept. Uh, there is uh, the literal and allegorical, and then there's the comparative and the secretive. And so really any allegory uh, including, say, the Matrix, because it's a, a, a become this kind of 
postmodern allegory, if you will, relating spiritual and scientific um, in a in a way that touches on just a broad internal and external um, you know psyche touches touches our collective and individual psyche. Uh, so uh, this set of four can be used to interpret a new and find new ideas in, in what were already digested allegories or stories. Mm. Um, so the four parts really is one of the sets of four that I found through looking into the matrix of four that really can propel consideration of things and ultimately consciousness through that yeah why don't you explain isn't there like some sort of like um graph or something that shows you the four the four points or what the four different well i i designed that but there is there is uh the matrix of four or the tetralema as it's been called or kutaskoti um is a really old idea um essentially using uh, what might be this subtle vibration throughout the universe because um, uh, for instance the sun symbol uh, uh, is used the cross is the sun symbol right. and this is this is because of the four seasons and the four seasons happen due to gravity um, whenever there are spheres in orbit of each other so four seasons are a, a universal matrix of four, uh, and so they, you know, it it may well have been designed off of that, but also there's this mathematical construct that is kind of like Occam's razor, in that it covers all the bases most simply. Mm. Uh, uh, in in that, uh, and you can utilize it any manner how you like. But the simplest way is there is the A. And there's the B, uh, there's the thesis and the antithesis, and there is the AB or the synthesis. And then uh, there's probably been different terms for it, but what I call the nullesis or X. And, and the nullesis is uh, none of the above, um, um, as, uh, to be simple. Um, so, you mentioned four seasons being this like example, this universal example of, um, uh, you know, the four. Now, what about somebody that lives in like the desert or the Arctic, where there's maybe only subtle changes? Do you think that those peoples were aware of that as well, or do you think it's only something that's picked up upon people that live in somewhere where the four seasons are kind of glaringly obvious? Well, I think more than likely it was obvious to the uh, people of times in the past because of the darkness, mm. the, uh, the, the light changing schematics. We don't see that in cities um, as starkly as they would have. And, and uh, you know, this, the winter comes, um, e even if, if you're on the poles, there would be a tremendous, like you wouldn't notice anything, but there'd be, the equinox would have three days of light mm. right there'd be there'd be a really short season right uh, uh uh two seasons would be very short um but but uh essentially you you would notice it by the light more than likely um 
An, another, uh, I, and I call this the gravity or the orbit set of four, um, the physical aspect of the matrix of four in a set of absolutes that I base it on. Um, and it's not an absolute itself, but I base it on absolutes or maybe absolutes in quotes, because I guess all these things are arguable. But um, it, uh, many times there are the three and there's the unsaid fourth, a missing fourth. Um, and and uh, um, with with a lot of systems, you'll see this and mind, body, spirit is one of these kind of sloganized trinities that you were all familiar with but this lacks the fourth part the unsaid which is the natural or universal right mm -hmm. and so so um i base the the mind body spirit idea and i include nature or the universal um and and so uh the uh a, a mental aspect of this set of four and they all have uh, uh, they're all sets of four themselves, is arithmetic. This is an absolute that is actually totally depictive of the duality of polarity or a cross, um, because you have the uh, uh, addition, subtraction in one, one uh, duality and the multiplication and division in another right mm. and so um for for hundreds of years people have looked for another arithmetic operation they haven't found it now uh, so there's all kinds of ways to use arithmetic but there are only four forms of arithmetic uh so so it it the matrix of four kind of starts to be this way to perceive uh uh totality differently using things that you're familiar with mm. right um and uh, 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 uh were you gonna say something no i was just gonna say so do you think that um like throughout time like obviously symbols mean a lot to us and language has influenced our consciousness dramatically um you have uh in terms of what you're talking about math is just another set of symbols some would say it's more of you know empirical you know in a way of like counting as opposed to maybe even language where sometimes it's more subjective like if you're looking at math you pretty much know what that stuff means if you know what it means kind of a thing um but the, again there's still symbols uh of measurement or you know whatever when you look at uh like even some of the philosophers like plato and socrates used to use uh mathematics to basically drive home their arguments. Like they would use that to like take the other person down after they've used Socratic method or whatever. That's how they would like deliver the final blows. Now that kind of changes when you get to Aristotle because Aristotle then diverges and starts to use biology to drive his point home. So do you think, so based on what you're saying, do you think that's kind of similar, like a, a shift in consciousness in the way that you perceive the world or the universe around you? Well, I think we're all subject to our biology, right? Uh, uh, our mortal coil. Like you can see dogs almost have a transcendent moment sometimes and then a squirrel goes by, right? <laughs> and we're, we're like that. So we're pretty uh, directly subject to our biology constraint, our, um, 
and uh, the impulses uh, that, that we might have through our biology. Um, I think with the mathematics, it's a way to confirm things outside of maybe the impulsive or, mm. or um, things that are, aren't necessarily logical, right? Um, but that doesn't refute biological by any means. But, right. but I think mathematical uh, stuff, mathematical relationships can, can be uh, not an absolute proof, but more potentially uh, a proof. Um, I, I believe it, the, the, your, your question reminds me that the Pythagoreans, Pythagoreans would um, infamously spit whenever the number two was mentioned. Because because um, duality is divisional, right? Mm. And 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 we live in a really polarized or or dual world where it's us and them, and um, really really we take this um, polarity construct and and put it where it doesn't necessarily need to be or isn't actually, right? Um, a lot of things are by degrees rather than polarity. And so the, the idea that with the Pythagoreans what, that they would spit when they heard the word two is because uh, it's, it's, it's divisive, right? Mm. And, and, and numerologically speaking, when you have one, then you automatically have two, right? Because you have one and the others, right, right, and and so they the the matrix of four or four itself becomes a way to like a table, uh, uh, find uh, fairness and subjectivity, not opposite-minded, double-think, uh, polarized uh, constructs, right. So, so, so it, then, what would really... you say the main difference between like a tripod and then what you're talking about is? uh well it it the the tripod would have a, a a limitation whereas the matrix of four with the nullesis has um a, a, an unlimited alternative mm. right for instance for instance here's a really um frequently mentioned uh trinity and also frequently used trinity that lacks the matrix, excuse me, the fourth part the, um, that has it as a matrix of four that makes it a freeing concept rather than a limiting, almost it's, it's used as an enslaving idea. People accuse institutions of using the Hegelian dialect as uh, a way to keep people constrained, right? Mm. And the, Hegel the Hegelian dialect is thesis, antithesis and our preconceived results right the synthesis right, right? and uh, uh even uh, hegel himself actually um um used a different system um and it is kind of uh, uh given credit for that uh the the what is called now the hegelian dialectic uh, another gentleman i forget his name right now actually proposed that and Hegel himself called it a lifeless schema, I believe was the exact term. And so nullesis in, in respect to the uh, uh, Hegelian dialectic says no, none of that. For instance, like with energy, it, it's a really obtuse problem. The energy oligarchy 
uh, has, you know, oil or nukes. I, I shouldn't probably bring that up because it's, no, it's <laughs> social, social political. Um, uh, uh, but but right where there's one thing or another, actually, our whole the dual dual, you know, uh, left wing, right wing is about that. Right. But um, the the nullisis would be something completely outside the box, uh, for instance. Um, so do you think that's a problem? Because, I mean, I, I think the problem is people just aren't trying to be creative anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me, be creative anymore. They're not like you said, thinking outside the box, they're not, they, they think some of pe people think they are. And I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but if you like look at somebody in the comment sections on social media, they think they're having some like sort of epiphany or groundbreaking idea. And there'll be literally five other people after them saying the exact same thing around the same, you know, time marker or whatever. So really it's not that original. So like for me, it's like, I've always tried to think of whether it be, you know, psychoactive compounds or meditation or lucid dreaming like how can i break free of these um these tendencies or these uh these causal lines of creativity and how can i break free of that and kind of go somewhere else if that makes sense well it's it's almost and it's almost like how can we be like neo in the matrix right mm. how can how can we break free of the fetters of our very own consciousness um and and i you know it's so funny that we uh um were so caught up in dualism if i were uh i if i were outside i was spit because i think it is the divisional <laughs> dual aspect that causes these clichés that you're referencing right it's it's being one-sided right compared to the other side and then you're not seeing the complete uh, Taiji, if you will, right? How even, uh, of course, across, it's a mathematical certainty that two lines intersecting make four points. And also the yin-yang uh, uh, ball is made up of the two swirls and the two dots within the swirl. Mm. Uh, 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 each, each swirl. Uh, also, I, I dare say every um, um, creation mythology or story but pretty much every creation mythology story has aspects of the matrix of four built into it um certainly the garden of eden has the masculine and feminine and the godliness and the detractor of godliness mm. in it right we we're just talking and, about this i think that's actually um has a lot of relevance because if you're even the gnostic view of that to simulation theory or kind of what we're talking about with like the matrix right and and uh actually the allegory of the cave predates uh the biblical uh not necessarily the uh where the garden of eden might draw its uh have have other uh um sources from but but the it's the allegory of the cave is older than the biblical story of uh the garden of eden yeah and we're talking about like uh, 300s bc versus yeah you know late, way later so um and, and so in the allegory of the cave there are also the four archetypes uh as a basis right there's the chained and the unchained 
right? Those that are stuck as prisoners and those that are transfixed by the images that are put forth by the captors, which are the third type. And then there's the freed prisoner, who is archetypally Neo, and also Winston Smith, and also you and I, right? We're, we're all mm. trying to break, break through the caverns of consciousness um, many times during our lives and, and so forth. Um, but, but most directly, it's, it's Neo, right? And it's all, Neo is reflective of the Christ consciousness coming about too. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, you can find um, these different sets of four all the time leading to uh, consciousness development. And uh, another one of the oldest symbols on the planet, and it, it's, we speak it, but it doesn't even have a spelling, is OM, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's reflective of the four states of consciousness as, as well. Um, um, uh, uh, sleep state and dreaming state are, are the main two. And the secondary polarity, the duality of polarity in that construct is the deep awakening and deep dreaming. Mm, um, interesting. And, and, and later uh, in uh, recently, you know, as, as we've kind of taken what are these religious, theological, um, archetypal, symbological stories to relate consciousness and our psyche, right? And, and now we're really, uh, people are exploring the psyche with different terminology. We can, we can find more of the matrix of four. And again, just like the matrix, it's all about um, uh, the story of our consciousness development, right? Um, and and so, like uh, when when we're learning something, uh, like Neo, um, he he is at first uh, uh, we're we're uh, what they call incompetent, comp- um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, unconscious incompetence, right? Um, and this is the conscious competence model. And uh, at first, we're unaware of our inability, right? And then as we try things, we're now conscious of our incompetence. And um, uh, as, as we expand, we become um, consciously competent. And then we get to a performance where as a martial artist uh, like Neo is unconsciously competent right where he's he could be you know uh, smoking a cigarette riding the bike and writing a poem chewing bum gum at the same time right um you're, you're completely unconscious of your competence right. um and so this this learning model is another correlative that the uh neo development ascension process uh symbology kind of has that is also in the matrix of four um yeah no that's interesting um in terms of like back to like a little bit of the simulation theory aspect of it um do you personally have any thoughts on like do you think that this could be a simulation or like even like plato's theory <laughs> of forms or something like do you think that there's some other realm or a more perfect realm or uh you know if you'd simulation theory maybe that there's a creator uh that that coded us or something along those lines 
Well, I I know that I can't say for certain, but well, of um, course I'm just all, asking all, your opinion. Well, no, no, I'm oh oh no, I don't. I'm just I'm just I'm just that's just always how I. Dude, uh, I want the answers, man. Tell me yeah. what's going on. <laughs> well, what I what I what I was what I was gonna say is that um, much more adept and wise folks than I have uh, again and and going back to the ancient theological spiritual stuff uh, uh, at least through the matrix of four but it doesn't have to be the matrix of four it's applicable to some things not everything but in this sense i think that uh the there's there's many uh different um teachings that put forth this but the kabbalah idea of the four dimensions of the tree of life basically says that from the most uh, subtle um, is the origins, right? And what is the most subtle to us is actually the most real when we're truly capable of perceiving what is real. Mm. Um, um, and so I, 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 I think it's possible, and I think... Um, maybe there's one thing that's happening that's interpretable as multiple truths as well um but i but i think um that that kind of idea that um from the most subtle whether it's um mechanized and consciousness and and that type of uh uh illusion or if it's we're all in the meditation of a great god that type of illusion you know i i'm i'm not sure but i think that it is uh originating from the most subtle and then um coming coming down into what we consider the most physical yeah i mean you could look at it different ways you could look at it kind of how you're talking about almost like uh an analytical way you have like a theoretical physicist like nick bostrom who says if we continue with technology at this pace it's inevitable that we'll reach some sort of stage that, it, you know, reality will be indistinguishable from, you know, these other technological realms. Uh, so you have something like that. And then you if that's look the at, case, then we don't know who's right. the one that created it in the first place. Right. And we then the other generation 10 from this, you know, the, and then the other option would be uh, kind of what you're talking about, almost like we're all like we're God's art or something like that, or it's some creator's art. And we're just fulfilling some sort of um, thought process or, you know, just some aspect of it, some abstract aspect of it. Yeah. And, and maybe the more in tune we are with things and to get there, the less subject we are to our physical impulses and constraints of our body, which that sounds, it's like a simple thing to say, right? But the more, the more we can detect, the more subtle, uh, um, like, uh, again, what Neo depicts in dodging the bullets, right? He knows where they're going before they're fired, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so um, there's this uh, whole, uh, uh, I think we're kind of touching on this potential for intuition because where, where are, are the flickers of intuition coming from? when it's something like that when it's uh uh detected beforehand right and and acted on um and so uh, is it is it that we're 
uh, in touch with the subtle just a little bit more, or are, is it before uh, what is occurring? I, I think it's just getting in touch with the more subtle layers of things. You, it doesn't even seem like before that right. way. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, I was going to add to that. Sure. There's uh, Neo uh, depicts the ascension process and uh, in that Tai Chi is a wonderful way to do this, but there's all kinds of ways, meditation um, and and even probably just being aware of the divisional uh, of the doad, right? You, you, you get rid of the two aspect and, and pursue something else rather than divisional. Um, uh, so there's many ways to develop, but uh, there's, there's a, a noted set of three again um, that I think has an unsaid four, and that's um, physical therapists and uh, uh, physical athletes use this um, idea is uh, first there's interoception, which is understanding our own body and our own mechanics and the potential of our body and so forth, the balance. And, uh, and then there's exteroception, and that's understanding uh, the gravity and the other forces, the trees, the persons, uh, and so forth. And then there's proprioception. And, and that's just a, a fancy word for being able to put together um, our conceptuality of ourselves. And in, in Neo's case, when he's uh, fighting, uh, uh, what's his name, the, the trainer teaching him Kung Fu, right? Um, he's, he's learning how to... Morpheus, duh, of course. Um, uh, and, and so he's, he's learning how to deal with himself and the opposition. Um, and then there's this word is not so common in the lexicon. There's what I call pre-proprioception. And that is when Neo starts blocking Morpheus before it's in reaching and before it's even strike, you know, before the strike is being thrown. Mm. Um, and, and so I think there is this uh, ability to develop our consciousness to detect the subtle layers, maybe not the ultimate subtle layer, right? Because as that kind of schematic put, puts forth, there's the four and each one, it's like a terrorist. Yeah. Uh, uh, thing, right? So maybe we could just get up to the next level. <laughs> Uh, and, Have you ever and, heard of you know, um, like spiral dynamics or the work of uh, Dr. Claire Graves? Um, it's like this, these steps of evolution of consciousness. And once you get to the highest levels, you're almost able to kind of what you're talking about, not like precognition per se, but these subtle things, like almost like you're having a conversation with somebody, you know what they're going to say next. And some people would just say mm -hmm. that you're good at reading people, which, you know, I think that that's an art in itself, but I think that there are, you're talking about like physical things too, like actions and not just words or thoughts or something like that, you know, because I think if you know somebody really well, like your spouse or, you know, your friend or something like that, you might already know some of their built in tendencies and the way they think or something. But you're talking about like, even like during like martial arts or physical activity, having that same, 
you know, and if, uh, you know, I guess it could be for sports too. You're talking about athletes and stuff like that. If you're a wide receiver and you're playing a defensive back, you know, and you're running routes, the defensive back is probably going to know some of your moves, right? But those little subtle little instinct things, maybe not so much. Is that kind of what you're talking about? I, and, and, you know, uh, I was actually having this comp, this, I was the, uh, uh, skeptic to an intuitive and I was like, well, you know, she was telling me that I'm very intuitive. I'm like, well, I, I think I'm just uh, really good at making observations and I know people well. And, and she, she said, your eyes tell you that. Your eyes, so your eyes want to come off as valuable, is what she was right. saying. Um, but so sometimes you're right. It's it's more of experiential, and uh, uh, is it a smell? Is it a visible thing? But you're on that field so much that you know what's going to be three steps ahead. You've seen this play before. You've seen the look in their eye, whatever it is. And then sometimes it's also. Uh, like she said, it's maybe not my eyes necessarily. It's not your eyes necessarily. It's something else, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe this can be detected when um, out of nowhere, well, th- this is also arguable, but out of nowhere, two people say the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, why, why are we both thinking that right now? Right. Uh, or, or, you know, uh, there's there's different levels of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, suggestive kind of, you know, proof of these things. But but none of it is proof because that's the conundrum of consciousness. It's not tangible. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, for who are, oh, my my cousin Maurice, not this cousin Maurice, but my other cousin Maurice. There's the other another, Maurice Hogan. And there's another Maurice. Uh, there's two of them out there. Shout out to Maurice, the other one. Uh, we were camping, and he was telling me about this book, and I think I picked it up. I, f- I forgot if I read the whole thing or not, but it's this guy who figured out that there's only so many options for certain actions and thoughts and things like that. Like there's just this branch. So mm-hmm. if you know about the branch and all the different options, you can then start to like, predict the future in certain ways kind of what we're talking about now i gotta i gotta look that up I gotta that makes feel. that makes complete sense and and maybe i can relate that too to what you said prior about the spiral energy yeah um in in a, a, a simplistic um understanding but also in a martial arts or movement sense there's four ways to move and I relate these to uh, the dimensions of geometry, but um, you can just think about it as stillness and straightness, right? So, so the point and the line, right? The, there's the linear movement rather mm-hmm. than straight. That's a, that's a better, better way to describe it, excuse me. Um, and then there's the circular, right? Um, and then the the optimal, um, most effective manner to move is spiraling energy, hmm. right? And that's and that's when there's a circle and a line, right? Uh, so so it's it's coming at you, but it's also uh, pushing one way and down, or one way and up, right? So uh, it's it's um, the spiraling energy is certainly the most powerful right and when you know there's only certain ways to move well the you know then there's you know that there's 
things that will be more effective uh, as as you're describing sure. if you know if you know um how things might unfold and then you will kind of guess how they will most likely unfold and what is best for the situation you can be there before it happens yeah i mean this is something i've been talking about on our podcast for a while which is if you're interested in a lot of the subjects we talk about, which is like mysteries and metaphysics and things like that, where do these ideas come from? If you start to look at the origins of things, whether it's the origin of philosophy, the origin of uh, wherever they think superstition came from, wherever they think religion came from, wherever they think, you know, all these different things, uh, science, all that stuff. If you learn how that evolved, you can then apply that to most things and it becomes just a way of thinking. So you know the origins of things and how they progress. And then it carries over kind of what you're talking about. Once you know that, it kind of just, that's just a, a new thought process for yourself. So that's kind of what I've been, you know, I see just a lot of people commenting on things on the internet and like, oh, I believe this or I believe that. But they won't even use Google or the internet or whatever and look up uh, how, how it started, you know, like we're all people, right? You're a person, Maurice is a person, I'm a person. We all have origins. We all have, you know, uh, there's always this, uh, strand or causal line of how we learned what we learned. And that goes all the way back through time for everything. So if you can, you know, we won't know exactly how things went down in the ancient world or stuff like that. But if you kind of have a basis of what we do know, you can then go from there and kind of piece things together. So uh, I think that that would take, it takes some of the mystery out of it. So maybe it's not for everybody if that's, if you're entertained by just the mystery aspect of it. But if you really are after like truth or some sort of objective truth, if that even exists, um, then I think that that's the way to do it in my opinion. And, and I think we are inundated with so many answers that, the you know, uh, looking into things almost becomes like uh, uh something that people don't even do right um and so yeah, you have like, to cross reference uh, it takes time maybe you have to look yeah. at what, what's credible what's not you know you have to go through the whole uh gambit of things and then and that's just current events yeah exactly <laughs> so, so, then, so then event you, type things yeah <laughs> sorry Right, and so uh, all, all, all of the. Uh, uh, it, it, I think that that is something that is really indicative of consciousness is asking the right question, um, like the emperor wears no clothes or what have you, or you know, it's always out of the mouth of babes that just make a simple observation and ask what is uh, unsaid question that, or a taboo. And, um, so I, I think, I think we are at, at that a, a lot of times. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I think that we just, I don't know. I, I think about it both ways. Sometimes I think it's just me. Like I just need to give it up and just do my own thing and just not worry about what other people are doing. But I just, it's hard for me to look at the internet, um, with all the fighting, I just, you know, like that's Yeah, we what, all get caught up in that, that, that hoopla, though. No, you know? I mean, but it's just like people knew about this in the ancient world. And I, I you know, whatever, I've, I've, I've beaten this idea to death, but you can even go back to Plato. Like there's a reason why people still talk about Plato and his relevance to philosophy and philosophy of mind and morals and ethics and all sorts of things, because there's this thing called heuristic rhetoric. And I think it's from the dialogue Euthydemus where these two brothers are fighting and Socrates kind of uses Socratic method. And they're just, 
they're using words to win arguments and twist words to kind of, you know, win the argument, but they're not actually after truth or trying to uh, debate in like a real way, if that makes sense. And that's no, that kind of, makes total sense. We see aristic rhetoric on the internet all day long. It's it's just people fighting and using language to win arguments, and there's no actual truth behind what they're doing. So for me, it's like I have to get used to. I think just the idea that that's just the world we live in, and uh, use our podcast to talk about it, and that's and critique it and do that, and that's probably what all those people were doing back then too. So I mean, it's just I, and I it think. Is. I mean, my mind is stuck on it. Like I said, I'm cursed by of always thinking about Matrix so far. But I think it's this false, excuse me, false sense of polarity, this doad that the Pythagoreans spit about. Right, right. right? And and when we're when we're in that uh, one sidedness, uh, it's automatically there's two, and and that is a, a limiting. Uh, factor for any discussion or observation right because you end up being partisan slash what what's the root of that obviously it's partial so you don't it when as soon as you're partisan through a thing you're you're completely partial minded right uh so so the 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 duality of polarity even though it just sounds redundant <laughs> at first it's actually freeing of polarity mm. right it, it's it's meant to be inclusive um, for all the possibilities to determine what might be a best outcome, not to be, you know, there's there, you know, if you, you, you got to have a hot shower, that's just or whatever. It's, right. got, it's hot or cold, hot or cold. Right. Uh, so. So it's yeah, it's a way to know. really. I just think it's like dogma on all sides. Like any if there's any sort of dogma, you should just be an open minded person is what it comes down to. Like. Nobody has all the answers. Yeah, science is great. It gives us a lot of tools, and we've gotten pretty far here uh, with it. Uh, and even, you know, I, the progression of technology has been exp- exponential over the last uh, few hundred years. But I would say that even science, it's always evolving. Like, learn the philosophy of science. You know, understand how these things go. Not everything is always set in stone, and everything keeps evolving. And, you know, somebody, you see this in... Uh, people, whether it's people writing about uh, esoteric topics or uh, science or whatever, they'll write a book and they'll still be defending those ideas 30 years later. Like, no, you need to keep moving. Quit putting all your eggs in one basket and, keep, and get this show back on the road. Because I think that when you start doing that, that's when like knowledge dies. You're not really trying to learn anything new. You're just trying to preserve old ideas. So I like to say different times require different minds. Yeah. And 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 you, you know like if if we're all like pursuing collectively or individually um hopefully we're doing this. If not, we're not I don't know what we're doing, but if we're all climbing to the peak so to speak or trying to better ourselves individually and collectively, uh sometimes there's a different view. Mm. Right? Sometimes what you see over there, I see I'm on the whole sure. different uh-oh. So when we see uh, the same situation, but from a different place, or there's differing situations uh, on the same mountaintop, you know, we might get into an argument over like the Sufi story of the elephant, right? Where everyone's feeling a different part of the elephant and one person thinks it's a snake. One person thinks that it's a big blob uh, the other person 
feels its ear and thinks it's like a bat, right? They all have this misconception of the elephant as a whole. Mm. Um, so, so sometimes, uh, uh, what is true is multiple things. The sure. elephant kind of, it does have a big weird ear that would <laughs> make you think it was a bat if you never saw it and felt it in the middle of the night, um, and so forth. So, so, um, I, I, I find this with Tai Chi that it, it, how that it relates to so many things, but yet there will be divergences of opinion within Tai Chi, right? There's, there's yeah. also, uh, also the, the nuanced differences as well as, as you go. I would say that that analogy or allegory would make more sense in, I, you know, from an idealistic standpoint, but the, given the world that we live in, like in ancient times, they didn't have the internet for people to see this or that or a million other thoughts and like you know so I, I agree with what you're saying but i do think that there is some version of right and some version of wrong while it might skew a little bit this way or skew a little bit that way there are people that are just generally wrong again they didn't look up anything oh. they're just they just want to it's like dunning kruger run wild they think that they just know better and they haven't done any research or they don't know anything about the topic um, so I agree with you. It depends on what it is. If you and I are having a conversation and we disagree on something, I would say that that's a good example. But if it's, you know, some of the stuff I'm seeing out there, some of the garbage, I would say that that's not the case at all. I would say that that's cognitive bias run wild. And I think that that's part of the problem. Sure. And I, I, it, you, you make me think about how people have, a. uh, skewed sense of morality i i tend to i i i i don't know what i said but i agree with what you said 100 <laughs> percent. so um uh what i found is that a lot of people have the idea that uh morality can shift right like oh uh you know that it was you know 80 years ago they didn't know it was wrong no yeah uh exploit exploitation has always been wrong and, well, you were mentioning the mountain, things. though, the mountain and then people seeing two different views and they're both kind of right from different angles oh, kind sure, of thing. Sure. And, and I would say I would agree with that with what we're talking about, you and I. But when you take that to more people or people that don't really aren't experts or haven't really done research on a topic or whatever. Right. It's just again, it's just noise. It's just mm -hmm. cognitive bias. And, and I think that that's the biggest problem out there is there's just so much noise. There's not enough um experts you know if you're going to talk about oh, something it, you should have at least a basis of knowledge of what you're talking well about. everybody's an expert now you know no, that's what i'm yeah, saying is yeah, right. dunning kruger run wild well i no, i i see what you're saying i was more talking about uh the different uh shades of uh esoteric interpretation sure. rather than rather than perspective of of whatever it might be and sure. and that sometimes w whether depending on where we are culturally or physically things might be you know quite different physically not necessarily perceptive well that's I, in the, I, there again i agree with you because yeah you know what you're talking about you've looked into these things you've done research you've thought about these things deeply and and that's why we have people on our podcast that we have because those are generally people that know what they're talking about they've put in the research they either have uh, um a good basis of knowledge or a nuanced take on something or something like that. I don't like, again, the dogmatic stuff or people that think they just know all the answers. Like that's a huge turnoff in terms of uh, knowledge and trying to get through to other people. And uh, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I think that even sometimes like these kinds of conversations can turn people off because they're like, oh, these people are acting like they know it all. But we, we I'm, what we're trying to say is I don't know more, uh, but I just, I would like to see more people out there learn more is what I'm saying, because I think that we can have more conversations that are centered around actual knowledge as opposed to just hearsay or repeating or parodying ideas or whatever the, you know something they saw on tv or one documentary or one article or whatever so and i i i think essentially the only thing that is permanent is impermanence mm. right and and so everything is in flux and people that are steadfast about a concept uh especially but, you know, the idea of monotheism as a whole, eventually you're going to be wrong if you're monothematic, right? If you're if you're one way type of person about moving a refrigerator, eventually you can't move it that way. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so, and I would I would point out, though, too, like like with the, that, what I mentioned is true. What I, what I mentioned is what I think is true, which is that you always have to keep evolving these ideas. But let's say you wrote a book on one specific idea uh, if you want to keep writing more versions of that same topic and more updated with the research or the times or different perspectives, I think that that's fine. I don't have a problem with that kind of stuff. It's again, these, like you mentioned, you started moving a refrigerator a certain way 30 years ago and they've come out with brand new dollies or this or that and things that make it so much easier. It's like, well, what are you doing? You know, at this point, you know, kind of a thing. So, um, and I keep on finding the value in sets of four via these philosophical tools to inspire just that. Um, and uh, I might have mentioned it last uh, time we spoke, but there are the four thoughts. And, and in Buddhism, one of the foundational uh, uh, sets of ideas is called the four thoughts. <laughs> And and it's I guess so distinct that they that's all they need. But one sure. of them is, is impermanence. Um, uh, 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 the first is precious human body, and and the second is impermanence. Hmm. Um, and then the third is. Uh, uh, no. And uh, so impermanence uh, uh, is the first. The second is cause and effect. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, the third is uh, karma, which is cause and effect. And uh, the fourth is samsara, or the mess that you're in, <laughs> that we're all in. Samsara is the, uh, the result of cause and effect, the universe, essentially, right? Um, but but the Buddhists go into it the, of the of the cause and effect nature of suffering and and so forth from there. Mm -hmm. um, but the the four thoughts um, in a primal sense are, are very useful to conceive uh, uh, our our limitations and um, understand uh, not not get caught up in our own under convinced of our own understanding. We want to we want to question our 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 you know anything that's monothematic, if you will. So I mean, so even that there's still some sort of separation happening, right? There's there's four distinct things. Um, how do you feel about like Vedanta, where it's like this one thing, and they they just created terms. 
help people conceptualize that one thing by breaking it down into other things. Is that similar to what you're talking about? Or is Buddhism, they are distinctly different things? Well, I think that the encapsulation idea is really commonplace in Buddhism as well, uh, um, from Hinduism, right? right. So uh, the, often enough, I think that they are, there is um, even a fourth, at, when there's a set of three, there might be a fourth aspect that is the encapsulation. And when there's a set of four, there might be a fifth aspect that encapsulates um, them all. Mm. Um, is, is what I found in, in looking into the smaller sets uh, uh, that Buddhism proposes. And, and many, there are many sets of four. Um, um, the, the, uh, another set of four that is used with the four thoughts is the imponderables. And, and this is, uh, or excuse me, the immeasurables, the four immeasurables. And this is uh, how Buddhism initially interprets what is love and there's love for self love for others love for the happiness of others and love for all in equanimity mm -hmm. um and and you can kind of see that there's this uh geometric fourfold construct unfolding in these that that set of four particularly um in relation to the point line uh circle and spiral idea um um so uh it, it's uh that those those two sets of four are actually used just to ponder reality on the daily they'll they'll use those sets of four how did, how did these interplay with my life and uh i mean many people from mark twain to buddha have talked about how and pythagoras and pythagoreans how uh um considering what we did at, at night is is a really positive way to end the day and engage our consciousness and then in the morning also considering what we're what our plan of course might be hmm. interesting um to pivot a little bit here before we kind of tie it up here and, and uh end it I just want to hear a little bit about the the Tao of uh, or the Tao. I don't know how you pronounce it, Tao Tao of uh, Thoth. Um, I was as a Tai Chi practitioner. There's the Bagua, right? That is the uh, uh, series of uh, eight trigrams that surround the Tai Chi. Uh, eight uh, 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 linear symbols, right? Um, that surround the the uh, yin yang symbol rather, which is the Taiji, excuse me. Um, and so, um, in in looking at the Bagua, I was seeing a set of seven in the uh, Eastern Hermetics, and 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 the Bagua and Tai Chi system is essentially a system of Hermetics of self development and growth, right? And and individual self responsibility also, um, um, both both of these systems um, shared so many intrinsic um, values and subtle uh, lessons that I, I was looking for uh, where there was the intersection or rather parallel, um, but but with the Kaibalian as a, a illustrative seven there's there's often the seven 
uh, hermetic principles. Uh, um, and seven also, the, the seven hermetic principles are also related to the chakra system, which uh, there are the seven main ones. Um, and so there are all these seven planets uh, um, that the uh, ancients observed and seven, seven, seven. Um, but uh, as I as I was looking into this, I saw um, uh, 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 presentation by Mark Passio, and he included actually the eighth hermetic lesson that is if you encapsulate um, going to this theory of encapsulation um, that we remarked about pertaining to four and five and now eight. Um, if you encapsulate the seven circles of the flower of life with another circle, that would be um, symbolically related to this eighth aspect of uh, the hermetic lessons, which is care or love or, or, or as I call it, patient caring, right? Because uh, uh, you, you have to have patience to really employ these hermetic lessons. And so um, um, uh, with Mark Passio's inspiration and with the Tai Chi Bagua learning, I was looking into the relationships of uh, the set of eight. And um, I then found what was to me a striking uh, fact that Hermopolis, which is uh, the name from where uh, the Thoth energy of Hermes gets, gets its name, um, um, Hermopolis means the city of eight. And, and that is the city of eight needers, which are the natural primal energies or gods of ancient Egypt, the eight needers. And these eight needers are um, reflective of actually four pairs of masculine and feminine, to really simplify it, and, and also reflect the Bagua energy of these eight elemental natural forces. Mm. So, um, I mean, is there anything that specifically ties to like the attributed um, personality or archetypes of Thoth, like you know the trickster element, or you know the bringer of knowledge? You know, he was associated with you know language, uh, which back then was like a massive shift in consciousness. Having to, you know, that was basically a technology was written. You know, the hieroglyphs and stuff. And anybody who doesn't know who Thoth is, he's the Egyptian or, you know, Thoth's the Egyptian god with the ibis head, uh, and usually with, like, a little scroll or a little uh, um, uh, pen or whatever they're writing with, scribe. Um, but, yeah, is there any sort of connection to that, like any of the archetypes? Ab Absolutely. And okay. this was a, another stunning find for me as I'm exploring uh, the idea of the relationship between East and West via Thoth. And finding also, uh, uh, to interject myself, finding that Thoth energy um, elsewhere, not just in Hermes, but Odin also has this Thoth relationship. But if in China, in the, in the ancient Taoist uh, uh, belief system, there is uh, the god Fuzi and, and his feminine counterpart, Nuwa. And, and they are depicted as spiraling 
snakes, mm. uh, just as the spiraling snakes are on the staff of Hermes. Uh, and and uh, the, the Fuzi and Nuwa are responsible for the Bagua or the I Ching, which is uh, the oldest, one of the oldest uh, still read books on the planet, uh, the I Ching. And, and the I Ching is all about combining the uh, eight energies into 64 potentials um, into a divination process. So uh, Thoth, Odin and Fuzi and Nuwa of, of Taoist uh, origin all have divination aspects to them. And uh, as well as uh, uh, developing civilization in numerous manners, giving credit for medicine um, and, and metaphysics and even uh, the uh, uh, water um in china and egypt specifically both are mm. both fuzi and thoth are given credit for developing the water systems as well yeah um so striking striking uh thoth ener energy in in the fuzi and nuwa yeah that's interesting um yeah i, I, I know and, what... and then there's the six sorry go no ahead. i was just gonna say I, I think that there's uh what did I, I read like a long time ago uh, when we were getting into this and I was reading more, you know, fringe books and things like, I think it was like Thoth the Atlantean or something like that. And uh, it, it just seemed like very, seemed like the Kabbalion just mixed, you know, with like other, you mm -hmm. know, just like basic, like as, as so below as above or as above so below type stuff and frequencies and energies and just things like that. Again, it seemed like, like a, a version of the Kabbalion or something like that. Um, well, but... one thing I, I built on with the, the Tao of Thoth, besides relating the uh, East and West, is having uh, mannerisms to embody the lessons, which is really what Tai Chi is all about, really embodying philosophy. Um, and so uh, I, I, I do relate and improve on, for instance, uh, with the polarity uh, presentation in the, in the Kabbalion. That's another uh, place where people actually um, interpret it as being a doad or the two, mm. right? Um, but if you, if you read the way it's presented in its um, uh, thesis, it, it kind of could read there's duality of polarity. But but it's also, it's the fourth rule or, or the fourth tenet as presented in, in the Kaibalian, not the second, which is interesting, right? Mm. Um, but so, so the, one of the things that I think I build on is the polarity idea, of course, right? Because of the matrix of four. But also I, I bring about ways to embody these lessons in Tai Chi, Qigong practice and and concepts right yeah and what i was mentioning is some people you might hear um uh you know of hermes tristamagistus or uh thoth thrice or something like you know it's just this idea that thoth was thoth in ancient egypt then reincarnated as hermes in ancient greece and then 
reincarnated as this, you know, I don't even know what you would call like a, a hermetic alchemist or something uh, known as Hermes Trismegistus. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I guess you'd have to believe in reincarnation or some sort of... I, I've noticed there's a lot of... But people take liberties with it, right? Like, I mean, people get really out yeah, there with I, some of the... Oh, yeah. There's a there's a lot of contrived elements with the Thoth presentation is what I noticed. Um, and, and anything Egyptian really. Right? Yeah, of course. Uh, there's, there's a, there's, there's a lot of, uh, misnomers that are perpetuated because they're kind of neat. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I've noticed, I've noticed the archontic or Ar- archons <laughs> has, has become, yeah, we were a, just talking about that with like Gnosticism and this, you know, people, I see people on uh, Twitter associating like archons with like gray archetype, uh, extraterrestrials and stuff like that. And it's like, why do you, you even know like where that came from kind of a thing, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, it's more of it's like a like metaphysical a, concept than it is like an embodiment of a physical thing, you know? So, and, and it's like, uh, where people would say, Oh, it's Mercury is in retrograde. It, oh, it's the archons <laughs> and, and, Oh, it's the <laughs> halls of Amenti. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I found it, uh, uh, striking with the Hermopolis meaning the city of eight pertaining to the eight needers um i found that kind of a a concrete arrow rather than some of the more contrived stuff uh, uh, again a, a lot of that um, other stuff is literally people just reading a couple things and drawing connecting you know it's like pareidolia of the mind it's just it's looking for that that connection or uncovering what you think is this big mystery like nobody's ever thought about that or read those two books or read those three books or whatever you know so um yeah no i agree with you people take a lot of liberties and to be honest with you when we started this podcast i was reading that stuff as kind of not as like necessarily truth but just like with more of an open mind and now that i've looked into a lot of these things and the actual right texts and things like that it takes on a whole different meaning and that doesn't and i, I want to point this out too and and it's not to take the magic or the the mystical or the mysticism out of it, because I do think that there is those elements in there. Uh, I think that's what people get wrong about with science and philosophy. They think it has to be this dry, uh, non-interesting thing or whatever. And I think that's just the communication from academia side of it. I think that there is elements that truly are mysterious and interesting and weird connections and things like that. But I don't think that you can look at two things if you don't know what you're talking about and take away some of these ideas like you mentioned that people are are, are talking about so yeah I, I mean we're we like to prognosticate don't we so it the less partisan we are the better are gonna be our prognostications <laughs> i yeah. found right the, the more and so again i know that i'm biased and i'm psychotic with it but the more i realize the matrix of four it it lessens my partisanship dude four years from now you better not be talking about this anymore you better be on to something else <laughs> no it'll, it'll be eight years is when, <laughs> yeah. when it all comes back yeah, the matrix of eight yeah well <laughs> Well, there's some there's some things that, like Occam's razor rule uh, suggests, is it's the when it's simple, it's not necessarily improvable, right? right? And, well, I, and I do think the, there is like universe, like I said, like Plato. There's a reason why Plato's 
some of their that's, philosophies yeah. are still relevant to this day. I believe that, sure. but it's not a ton of things, right? It's like some real core basic concepts that people will then add a bunch of stuff onto. It becomes more complex and convoluted and things like that. So I, I do agree with what you're saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I no, was no, I get it. No, I, I, I get it. And, and uh, what I've found is the oldest, most basis ones, whether it's the yin yang or the cross or uh, uh, the allegory of the cave, all of these things, they happen to have four at its basis, but not only four. There's all kinds of other things going on. But in the beginning, as a basis, four is this neat starting point that it seems uh, a lot of the uh, philosophical, metaphysical uh, uh, precepts and concepts start with. Mm. Um, but but it's not the only thing. It's just like a table has four legs. It's a great basis. Sure. Well, let's wrap it up there then. That sounds good. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, it's super we fast. Get, we got to get him on it all that once a month. This yeah. is good stuff. Uh, I, I really well, enjoy I, our conversation. I so appreciate you guys. Yeah, I, yeah. Thank you for. I know you guys had a super busy day, so thank you yeah. for making time for me. To yeah, come it was on just this technical stuff. Yeah, figuring out this technical issue that we found. But we, I think we figured it out now, so we should be good. And uh, um, I'm gonna bringing be busy. it back to the Matrix. We don't want to be slaves to the uh, <laughs> to the world. I mean, uh, is 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 the Matrix your favorite movie? I'm a big movie buff. Not, no, not really. But but the Matrix it implies a web, right? And yeah. Uh, and what I was I what I was looking at, even though it has a parallel, is that the Matrix is this unfolding, essentially uh, repeating. And so I kind of think of the Matrix of Four as actually a way to cut through the matrix of of uh the cliche the cliche right uh, of the the uh kind of web idea um and and in that it the the four actually it looks like a blade hmm. the four looks like a blade a blade with a handle and just like occam's razor it kind of slices away the superfluous hmm. beautiful great way to wrap it up uh you can find ethan he's on twitter he's all over the place i'll put some links down below to his books and uh, you can find him on the internet i'll put those links down below and yeah thanks for coming on and uh, we'll get you back on again in the future i'm going to be busy with my uh newborn here for the next couple months but when we start doing live shows again we'll awesome we'll we'll do a live one with you yeah maybe uh, in the beginning of the year or something yeah so Yeah, yeah Whenever I'm like I said, I I know you guys had a busy day and it's late there, and I I just really appreciate you guys put me on. Of course, thank you. And, I, thank you. and I was listening to our last discussion. I was like, oh, this is definitely one of my favorite interviews. Oh, I've thanks, done. man. Yeah, so, I mean, I, uh, I remember yeah. I wanted to get you on for a while. Like I said, your stuff just happens. You get sidetracked. We had actually like uh, a uh, month, I, I couple month hiatus and stuff. So it was just. Yeah. Uh, tough to get back in the swing of things but yeah we're glad to have you back on and you're welcome on anytime and we'll figure that out again for the future but uh again check out ethan's stuff and before we get out of here one more time everybody head on over to our patreon at patreon.com slash might escape podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments we are also on discord so find us on discord if you want to chat i was doing twitter spaces for you know once a week or so uh but i'll probably put that aside when i have uh our babies coming here soon this week so i'll figure that out sometime in the future again to start doing that 
and uh, head on over to injuresweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. If you want to hypothesize, speculate, theorize, it's a perfect place to do it. Go set up a profile. Uh, we are still trying to work on getting it in the App Store. I will let everybody know when that happens. Uh, and if you're interested in winning this Mind Escape t-shirt, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and take a screenshot of it, and then send the email to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com, and that will enter you to win. And uh, if you're interested, we have a merch store now. So all you have to do is go to mindescapepodcast.com and click on the merch um, link. I also will have a link down below the video. We've got some awesome shirts up there. I just created a shirt with... Uh, you know, with Anubis, and it says we are living, breathing magic. Um, on top, it's pretty interesting. I've made one with the Portara of Naxos. Uh, we've got one hashtag Let Maurice Speak, which he didn't get to speak tonight, and I'm not going to let him speak ever again. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there's just tons of cool stuff up there. So if you're interested, go check out our merch store. But uh, we love everybody. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Love.